everybody, this is James Durbin of Durbin, and you are watching CMS TV. MyHappyDesires.com Visit us at MyHappyDesires.com and add some toys to your toy box. Let your imagination be the guide to your stress relief. MyHappyDesires.com has everything for the perfect play night. Alone or not, you choose. Fuel your desires without breaking the bank. MyHappyDesires.com It is your classic metal show right here on the classicmetalshow.com. That is uh, some Jack Russell's great white right there from uh, he saw it coming with the sign of the times. And uh, Chris, we got uh, we got a guest in the studio. Look at that! We've got a celebrity checking in. <laughs> we want to welcome uh, <laughs> Robbie Lochner to the classic metal show for the first time. Welcome, welcome to the show, Robbie. Thank you. Glad to have you on. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, uh, Robbie, you sent me your uh, side project, DILF USA. What does that stand for? Dutifully Involved Loving Fathers. <laughs> sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I love loud fuckers. Oops. Can I say that? <laughs> you can swear. Yeah, we're, we're an uncensored show here, Robbie. Okay. <laughs> well, dude, tell us, a, tell us a bit about this thing, man, because... I don't know if you caught the the episode where we kind of tore it down last week and and looked at it, but the the main question I have is when did you have time to do it? I mean, you guys are always busy with with Great White. You guys are always out on the road. When yeah. did you have time to do you know the, the shoot and the creative and putting it together and all that stuff? You know, it was all in between, and it came up pretty quick. Um, I have a friend of mine that works for uh, Combat Radio, Universal, NBC, and he had a special that was going on. He said it was a Christmas special. Like, oh, we got a Christmas song we've been wanting to record. He goes, I want to hear it. And I go, well, we haven't recorded it yet. He goes, it needs to be done already. I'm like, oh. So what had happened was um, in between when we got home, I was like, you know, pieced it together, uh, sent it over. We need the drums real fast. I sent it over to Ken Mary, who's now our drummer. He's got a studio out in Phoenix, and he knocked out the drums in a day sent them back back to me and then i started tracking did some acoustic guitars and then had jesse come in and sing and all this was like piecemealing it as quick as i could and then we're back on the road and then i mean it happened really pretty fast so very, very cool now i, I want to ask you i know you you mentioned jesse jesse um jesse blaze snyder i believe right um yes and from and and i'm reaching and tell me if i am reaching i'll put it this way i okay. read the credits and I saw Snyder, 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 Snyder in a lot of the credits. So yeah. is this like a, a Snyder production that you're a part of? Or is it a Lochner production that you're friends with all these guys? Or how does that all work? Well, it's it's um, a DILF production. So it's <laughs> okay. something that, that we do together. It's a band. And okay. so we just, we do all the production. All the music is done right here where I'm at right now. 
we actually filmed this in our first video called shit the bed was filmed in my house it was filmed here in the house and i mean it's amazing to me how fast this came together it was pretty quick um, but, but jesse came in and blew out those vocals real fast and you know just the whole thing happened and i was on an airplane listening to it with the um clean guitars like i had and i go no i want piano here i want violin here all the stuff while we're traveling as soon as i got home did the piano did the violin added more guitars started adding all these things started mixing it and meanwhile we're putting together um the idea for the shoot which was actually uh, jesse's girlfriend julie she's had a concept and they started working it and we start tossing it around and then we set the nearest quickest date we could and we got in and just made it happen in a day shot it in a day and it was wow. that week it was already mixed and ready to go the the edited i should say edited and ready to go wow so you know chris and i were trying to speculate how this all came together i mean we were thinking you know who has time to think about doing this stuff ahead of time before christmas and we're thinking they, they had to have been doing something all the way back in the summertime, but uh, the way that you're telling it, it kind of happened just in the last few weeks alone. Yeah. It was really quick. Yeah. It's, we had it done in time for the combat radio special, which was November is the week before Thanksgiving. So it was completed by that. And I think we started it in September sometime. I mean, it was really fast. I was pretty shocked that it came together that quick and so well. I mean, the, the guy who shot it did a great job and he handed it over to another guy who just did a brilliant job editing it. And there's a lot of footage that's on the cutting room floor, a lot of really good stuff, but he just picked the right scenes for the right spot. And I was like, how he did that in two days time? I don't know. <laughs> well, we, uh, we, we were sitting there trying to speculate that, uh, now, now did they have to storyboard this whole thing and, you know, come up with these uh, ideas and obviously what, what, what was the idea behind the whole zombie look? It was because, um, Jesse was like, he was afraid that people were going to hear us come in and singing all pretty in the beginning. And they're not going to stick around to know that it rocks. So his thought was, how about if we do something that shows you that it's going to go somewhere other than this pretty sound? And then it was actually his sister that came up with the idea. She goes, no, you got to do corpse paint. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's telling me, so we're going to do corpse paint. I'm going, okay, well, whatever. I'm just here to do whatever. What's corpse paint? <laughs> you know, I don't know. But they had a girl that came in and did it and they just lined it up and they really they went out and julie went out for the week prior to us filming with us together here at my house and she was going to people's houses and filming all these different scenes these shots so they put on the dilf page they said uh, anybody want to be in a video and all these people basically raised their hands and then all these people that you see in here they went out and she filmed these in all different locations though so us right here we're all at my house okay <laughs> yeah Dude, so so when you're when you're doing a video like this, and, and and more more a song than the video, but you know, I I've speculated that the Christmas market for these kind of songs is not I don't want to say very lucrative, but it's a it's like kind of like if you get into that crowd mm -hmm. with a song, you're good for. 20 albums over 20 years because there's always a new one and you know like we were talking about it last week like enough's enough has that song happy holidays mm. that song has been on 20 christmas records you know just because they've they have that song it re meets the need 
it's it's not overplayed you know it's not jingle bells and so do you consider that when you do something like this or is it strictly for fun and maybe it turns into something well i definitely was considering i thought this song was just beautiful i thought when it was done i was going wow his vocals just sell it you know so i was thinking this could definitely land in those lists. And I, I'm figuring, you know, and with a great video too, to kind of sell it, I thought, hey, you know, it could do exactly what you're saying. And hopefully it will. You know, we've got this season, we're still, you know, pushing into it's new, but then of course, next year again. And like you said, for years to come, a lot of people are going, we're adding it to our Christmas list already, our, our music list of Christmas songs. So we'll have more push on it for next year, for sure because next year we can start earlier in the summer and get into some of these places that you really need to have it turned in in the summer. And I didn't really put that together. I should have known better, but I just kind of thought, well, I was going to tell him when I was telling my friend this, like, oh, we're going to get it ready probably for Christmas time. And then he was telling me, oh, it needs to be done. I thought, yeah, of course it does. I should know this. And that's when we just really made it come together fast. And now, of course, moving into the future. Yeah, that's what we're looking to hope that it ends up on people's Christmas list. (laughs) <laughs> well, this is, this kind of reminds me of like a modern version, not not that the content's the same, but but the quirkiness of it is grandma got run over by a reindeer type thing, you know, just kind of the funny, lighthearted uh, way of approaching the whole Christmas season and just making fun and, you know, yeah. just just silliness for it. And uh, uh, you were mentioning, you know, the your uh, guys who uh, did the filming and the editing and whatnot. Uh, that's one of the first things that stood out for me watching this for the first and second time was just the fantastic, uh, camera work, you know, the the lighting was perfect. The camera work is really well done and the editing is perfect. I mean, it it was, it it is a high, high class production. I, yeah, I have to say, I I agree. I was super impressed and I knew after we filmed it, we had a lot of fun. It was all in one day. We did all the, the we, I call the nerd scenes first. We did all that. And then after that, we took the break, had some dinner. We're taking turns getting painted up. And then it just turned into a riot after that. We're just laughing all the time, looking at each other. Look at you. Ah, it was just funny. And it was so much fun. And I figured the guy who was filming was so good at getting the scenes. I figured he captured a lot of great stuff. And there was a lot of things. Like every one of these scenes we did, like this right here with the Santa being thrown up, we must have done that five, six times. And then I probably ruined at least two or three of them because I was standing right behind this on the porch laughing. And I was like, oh, uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> I was laughing at him. But right. uh, he just put it together so well. He just uh, he just had such a great eye for it. I was super impressed. Sure. Well, Robbie, tell us a little bit about, uh, aside from this, um, from the video and the song, what is DILF to you? I mean, you obviously have a full-time band. You know, that you, unless I'm mistaken, you're not only playing in, but you're managing or at least somewhat managing as well. You know, so you're, I'm assuming that keeps you pretty busy because Jack Russell's Great White is always playing. So where, where does this band stand for you? Is it a legit band? Is it a side project? What what does it, how does it feel to you? It's kind of both. It's, it's, It's feeling more and more legit. I mean, this is our second video. I don't know if you saw our first one called Shit the Bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a funny one it's we're kind of going in that direction we're trying to make it quirky and a little different funny but uh just fun a lot of fun sure and we're starting to pick up we're going to do some gigs and stuff and mostly right now we're doing covers and we're just adding originals okay and it's just whenever we're off we're going to play or we're recording 
We've got six more that we're going to be recording drums for on Monday. And that way we have them kind of banked and we'll start putting them out when, when it makes sense to put them out. Right on. How, yeah. how does, how do you avoid fans writing it off as a steel Panther thing? I think that it's well entirely different because steel Panther is that whole eighties um, comedy, a uh, lot of fun. Sure. Great players, the whole nine yards. Where ours is more quirky in a different sort of way. It's just kind of and and stylistically, it's not really that '80s thing. I think we're kind of leaning True. a little more punk, and a little more in that punk, but with some guitar playing. Is kind of where we're going with it. So I haven't heard that comparison yet, but you know, I'll take it if people want to say. <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's worse. That. There's worse bands you could be compared to, right? Than, than a successful band that's out touring, mm -hmm. you know, big rooms every single night. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. right. Well, Robbie, uh, obviously, you know, when you're a musician, a working musician, you know, you, you got to put uh, food on the table and whatnot. When it comes to these type of projects and so on and so forth, how do you, not that this is the main goal for you, but, but it, but I'm sure it is a, a thought. How do you market this to where it could be a profitable venture for you? You know, that's the question right there. Uh, right now, we're just figuring we're going to put out songs. We're going to put out hopefully quality videos with every song and just start spreading the word everywhere we can. And let's just see if it can catch on. In today's world, it seems like everything is all about algorithms, right? You get in there and if you, if you get something out on YouTube and it catches the algorithms, all of a sudden you just blow up. So, so you're looking, you're looking for the uh, internet plays, then like the YouTube plays and stuff. Yes. To, uh, possibly, exactly. you know, generate some revenue for you. That's it, really, to kind of generate not necessarily a whole lot off of that, and hopefully that would be great. But to get enough eyes on us that people are interested in seeing the band, so we can go out and play more and bigger shows. Do you worry that the internet's going to give you shit because of the Dilf name? Meaning the algorithms might say, well, you know, that's dirty. Let's not do that. That's dirty. Yeah, I, I haven't given it too much thought. And when people ask me, I just tell them, hey, uh, damn, involved, loving friends or whatever. <laughs> I give them a different, anything you want to put to it is, is fair game. Yeah, it's kind of like Wasp. Yeah. <laughs> it could be anything you want it to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah. well, Robbie, obviously, man, you guys, you, you are in Jack Russell's great white yeah. and, um, a little birdie tells me as of this week that, um, there's a good chance that we're going to have a, um, a full length album in the spring. Maybe is that maybe um, true? I don't think it'll happen that fast. I just don't okay. see it. Mark's got a commitment to getting the, uh, um, was it not? Fr yeah. Frontiers record with Tracy Gunn. He's got to get that done. So that's really on his docket right now to finish. Okay. And then he's got another record with Cleopatra that we're doing that he's, they want him to redo some Dante Fox songs. Okay. So we're going to wow. crack all those here, five of those and then five covers. And I'm like, Jack, we got to do an original record, but Meanwhile, we have a song that we've been sitting on for probably four years, really beautiful kind of blues song in the vein of uh, House of Broken Love, but more Zeppelin-ish. Okay. And that one, I just got the drum tracks from Ken the other day, and I'm going to start tracking on it this week. And the hope is to get out a new single, at least to kind of put something out going, hey, we've got stuff. We just got to get 
get it all together and get it out. I would say spring, it won't happen just because it's difficult um, with our schedule and the way things work with Jack is a little bit different. With Dilf, it can happen fast because it's just Jesse comes over here and he sings and it's done. Boom, he's out. Right. Jack, I've got to be able to work it out for him to be able to get here. He lives in Denver now. So yeah, let me. I, I got to ask you about that, dude. And and, and I, I don't know how to put this nicely, so I'm not going to. Okay. But we we know Jack's health is not the best. Everybody knows that. It's not a secret. Yeah. Why the hell is he living in Denver, the hardest place in the entire world to breathe? And, um, that is a good question. But the answer would be because his wife is from there, and her kid is there. And he felt like he owed it to her to be near his, her child while he, he's still underage. So okay. they moved there to be closer. And, you know, I get it. But it, it's definitely tough on his health. And he's definitely, uh, like you said, it's no secret. I guess I shouldn't try and hide it. And that's part of the reason it's tough to get some stuff done sometimes. Because if he's not feeling up to it, it's hard for him to get in and knock it out. And then when he's feeling good, he could come in and knock two or three songs out. Right. So it just depends. Well, and it's amazing to see, like, I, I saw you guys uh, right before the pandemic was the last time I saw you guys play and you played here in Cleveland at the, on the Sirius tour, Sirius XM, okay. yeah. whatever that tour was when you had the broken foot and you were yeah. kind of standing still. Oh man, that was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I just remember like, I, I, he came out and he's, he's rocking. I mean, he's yep. rocking, he's spinning, he's singing yep. he's, he's bringing it yep. and then i went backstage after and he was like on a couch and I, I was like wow how could this be like 20 minutes later it's like a total <laughs> total difference and you know he still yeah. sounds great though i mean he does the job which is it yep. is really amazing it is that's there's something about getting on stage where all that you know pain or whatever goes away for the hour and a half and he just kind of kicks it out. It's interesting to see when you see him come out and he's doing, like you said, just like that. And he's throwing it down. Then he comes backstage and he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> find me a bed. <laughs> and then, I, you know what? I've seen it with other guys. I have a friend of mine that was playing with uh, George Thorogood and he invited me to a show out here okay. and we watched him and he was George Thorogood was throwing down, you know, it was like, oh, great show. And then backstage he would kind of had a cane and he was kind of not getting around as well as he was on stage. I went, man, that reminds me of Jack. <laughs> <laughs> a, a couple of summers ago, uh, when, when Dokken and, uh, Jack played together over in Des Moines, Iowa in the little arena over there, man, Jack was out in the hallway there between the dressing room and, and, and the, uh, stage area. And, and that hallway just had a big echo to it. And so he was just out there barking out lyrics going yep. down the hallway there. And it was just echoing off the wall. And it's just like, this guy's voice is just amazing after all these years, you know, it's just, it's just funny to see him just, just, just let out a, you know, just belt out a couple lyrics or something just randomly. Yep that you know it, you know it took me a while to get it took me a number of years to get used to that we'll be going on to an airplane and all of a sudden you know uh let's do the the line to uh babe i'm gonna leave you i'm like oh what oh my god we're on an airplane Shh. you know it just it's almost like tourette's but it's not he just doesn't even think about it he just starts singing you know yeah. it's in the middle wherever we're in a mall and he's singing i'm like whoa whoa but after a while, I just kind of used to it. If he does it, I'm doing, oh, is it just Jack? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's Jack. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> well, well, Robbie, let me let me ask you something since Chris brought it up here a few minutes ago about uh, you know the potential of a new album. Does it make sense to make a record these days? It, to me, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It seems to me it should be singles. And and I I kind of want to talk with Jack about it, and I told him that, and it's his call because it's his band. Sure. Yeah, I do all the tour managing. I do the managing, even though everything is his decision. I'll bring it to him. This is what I think. What do you think? Your answer is the answer. That's just the way it is. And I just recently was telling him, really? We got this great blues song. We got to put it out. And he agreed. We're going to go ahead and do it. And I'm going, really? But today's market, all we should be doing is a single and a video. Another single, another video, like yeah. Dilfa did do. And then when we get to 10, 11 songs, okay, maybe if you want to put it on a collection and sell it at shows, that's great. But I don't see the point of doing records anymore. It's just not really a thing. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Out, out, outside of the whatever whatever frontiers would give a band, which is not a lot, you know, I mean, it's right. not, it ain't the old days. It's not here. Here's $2 million. Go back to the studio. You know, when you're looking at, when you're looking at, I don't know, 15 grand or 10 grand or what it is, whatever the number is. And, you know, I, I get it. It's definitely not worth it for, for you guys, for you though, when, when you look at that, do you understand the other side of it for a guy like Jack that I he's do. so old school that it just doesn't compute to him to release a song? It, I, I totally do. But I tell you this, he has come a long ways in a lot of areas from the old school ways. It's taken a while, but he's come, just the fact that I'm tour managing and managing stuff is a huge step for him. He always felt like he had to have a guy doing it that's right. completely separate. And then once I started doing it, and he realized, hey, no, this is actually working out well. Everybody can make more money. You know, there's a, there's one there's less flights, there's less hotel rooms, there's less in travel. There's it makes more sense. And when I'm doing stuff like on the road, I do it for the band. Where sometimes you get a tour manager who does what he thinks he should do for himself or whatever. Sometimes I question like why why are we traveling at this time and why are we doing this or why, you know, a lot of times I'll be going, Oh, I'm not really sure why, you know? Right. And then I do everything. It's like, okay, I understand that the guys want to sleep. I want to sleep. How do we get maximum sleep? How do we make this work out for the band in its best possible way? And so he's really come around on a lot of that stuff. And I think with the singles, it'll be the same thing, but like you nailed it though, the money, the upfront money is enticing to him. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, we can do singles. We could do, we could even do a whole record and not sell it instead of selling it up front, have it done and sit on it because we do it here. I'm not going to charge him to do it. I'll do it. And then, you know, you can pay me later, however you want to do it. I'm not worried about that. I just want the record done. And then he could walk in with a full record done, cover everything done and go, here it is. What are you going to pay for it? Instead of going, "Eh, you know, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars and I'll get it done in such and such date, you know? Right. Sure. Well, um, well, Robbie, I, I wanted to ask you too, just because we haven't had you on the show, you know, since you joined, which is God, what a decade now. You know? It was uh, it was just past eleven years on December seventh. Yeah. Those eleven years. Okay, and how much of a of a Kendall fan were you coming into? Were you a big Mark Kendall fan? Did would did that match your playing style, or, or um, did you grow into it to to fit the band, or what? Well, um, you know, I don't want to be rude about this at all without trying to be rude. No, I wasn't. It was, I, I was a Jack Russell fan Okay. and 
I didn't know who any of the other guys in the band were. I knew who the music was, but I knew who Jack Russell was. It was always sure. Jack, that guy's voice, you know, this guy's great. And I'd hear the guitar playing and he kind of reminded me now learning the stuff. It doesn't make me think of that, but sometimes like Ace Freely and I love Ace Freely. Sure. Um, but it, it kind of reminded me of that, like rock me, you know, those Chuck Berry licks and stuff. Um, so it, it wasn't really like trying to learn George Lynch licks, you know? Sure. Mm -hmm. so it's a lot simpler than that. Um, but it's cool. I mean, there's respect. I mean, he was the guy who did it. So well, sure. I still have respect for what he's done, but I didn't really follow that. Um, and, and also in that time frame when they were out, I had my own band and right. I was really focused on what I was doing. And I kind of wasn't really following any guitar players for a long period of time. It was, I grew up on uh, Richie Blackmore and Ted Nugent and um, Van Halen and Randy Rhodes and uh, Michael Shanker and Yuli John Roth, guys like that. And then yeah. when my band started picking up steam and really looked like something was going to happen, I was just focused on this and making our sound and making the band. And then after that band broke up after a number of years, it was like, oh, wow. You know, I moved to California. I grew up in Tucson is where the band was okay. at. And I and I heard songs. Of course, I heard a lot of bands. I would, I'd be hearing what's on the radio or what was on MTV. Sure. But I wasn't super focused in on who was what or anything. I was just more like, oh, I like that song or I like that song or whatever it was, you know, but not really paying attention like I did when it was Michael Schenker. I was like, oh, right. wow, what did, what did Schenker do now, you know? Right. So for you, you, you obviously you joined the band and, and like I said before, I've seen the band a few times and you do the old school stuff pretty accurately. You know, I mean, you, you have your own flavor to it, but it's pretty accurate to what people remember. But when you did the album, when you did the, the soul, the, the Jack Russell's great white album, it didn't sound like great white anymore. It, it was like, it was like you stepped out of that, what yeah. you're doing on stage when did you feel comfortable to be Robbie Lochner in the band instead of playing the parts for the old band, I guess? Well, for as far as doing the record, my thought when I was talking to Jack about it, I was going, we could go and, and I could do that. If you really want me to, I can play like he's playing. We could write songs. We could another, write another Rock Me. But I go, but realistically, if if I was a fan of the band, I don't really want to hear another Rock Me. If I want to hear Rock Me, I'll go listen to Rock Me. I don't want to hear another Once Bitten. I'll go listen to Once Bitten. Why don't we do something that's a little bit outside of the element and let's see what happens. Let's just try and get outside of that box. We can go back in there like this new track we're going to do is going to be definitely a lot more closer in that vein, but it's going to lean a little bit more Zeppelin. Okay. But it's, it's, it's more in that vein. And I could see, I see doing that and I understand doing that, but to a point, I mean, I was, the, the idea was like, like the song he saw it coming was really, I was thinking queen when I came up with the, the idea for that. And I was like, Jack, check this out, you know, and he wasn't sure at first. And I played it over to him over the phone. He's like, mm, I don't know. And I was going, that's cool. If you don't want to do it, I go, I'll do it on, you know, on my own, something else or whatever. Sure. And I swear, I, I brought him in here. I put it on, I just played it, and then I put piano, because it wasn't piano when I played it to him originally, and I did that opening and whatever, and he stood up and started singing to it. And I was like, dude, that, there, yeah, let me record that. And then I had a mic in front of him, and I recorded what he did, and I went, that wasn't what you just sang. Can you do it again? And he did it again, and he came closer. And so what happened was what he sang became the verses, and then we took all the other stuff I did and arranged it in a different way. But it was like, okay, we're trying to... to um, you know, I guess go outside the lines of what he's done in the past just to see if we can 
attract more people in a different way. I mean, some people are probably like, eh, I don't like it, but then I know we turned on other people too. So there's the toss up. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is, is with the, the legacy bands, uh, they still have to maintain some familiarity for the old fans, but yeah. still build on that for like you, like you mentioned, bring in new people perhaps that might discover it because of the, you know, because of a little, little, uh, uh, direction change for you. And, and that's the whole thing. It's just like when, when the old school fans listen to, uh, Jack Russell's great white record, they're going, well, this doesn't sound like rock me or whatever. And, and, and they're so, they're so pigeonholed into what they want to hear that they won't give it a chance. So, so it's sort of a balancing act, say, well, here's something for the old school fans and here's something for the new fans. It, it kind of have yeah. like a mix of the both, you know? I think that's where we're going to be going with the next stuff is to kind of hone it in a little bit. But we still want to go outside the box because I, I do get that. But it's interesting because I do see like I played something. I played the track he saw coming for somebody who was like, yeah, I don't know, I've never been a really a, a great white fan. I go, that's cool. Whatever I go, why don't you check out our new track? And I played it and they're like, wow, I love this. I was going, oh. Oh, that's great to hear that. And then I played another track. Wow, this is cool too. I'm like, maybe they're saying that because I'm in front of them, but they seem <laughs> to be really, and you know, you always get that a little bit, but they seem to be like really going, no, then I really like this. So there is kind of, it's kind of hard to balance that, right? And, and it's kind of almost like, you know, old Van Halen and new Van Halen. For me, you know, old Van Halen, I love it. New Van Halen, I love it. So, and it's very different, right? Right. It's trying to find that maybe we can find a sound that people will love, but maybe not too far of a departure. And it was pretty eclectic. That whole record, you go track to track and it's very different all the way down the line. And honestly, that's how I've always written my whole life. Any records that I've done, you'll listen and you go, every song is really different. What's up with you? <laughs> like, sure. Sorry. I just don't like doing the same song over and over. <laughs> Right on. Well, dude, how much of a, and I'll just say pain in the ass for lack of a better term, how much of a pain in the ass is it that people don't know which version of great white is in front of them? You know, to me, it seems obvious, but I'm a music dork. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that will know everybody on stage. I think the average casino person goes to the show and they don't know that you're not Mark Kendall. You that's, know, that's right. That's it, it's weird. I'm like, what? You know, it, it, it's a little bit weird to me, but I'm like, okay, those are more casual fans. And so that's, that's part of the, the new songwriting direction too, that I'm going the casual fans, we can kind of appeal to in that way. Cause they're casual fans. They know, they know the songs they heard on the radio. They don't know any of the deep cuts. They don't right. know any of that stuff. So it's kind of like there's, it's weird. And it is strange because you get people, oh, yeah, we've been on airplanes. You know, it's like Jack Russell's great white. Oh, great, great white. Yeah. And I've had, you know, the flight attendants put on there and they're playing once bit and twice shy. And I'm sitting there back there going, oh, yeah, I'm not on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, what do you do? Sure. Right. And, and, and one of the, you know, one of the things that's a testament to Jack and the unique, uh, you know, the unique aspect of his delivery and his voice is that the other version of Great White, uh, obviously they can't keep a lead singer very long. And uh, they've they've gone through at least four singers, you know, yeah. since since Jack has gone out on his own as Jack Russell's Great White. And uh, I never see or hear any quote unquote news or coverage of them playing anywhere. 
uh, every time I see news, music news, it's always uh, Jack's version, you know, as far as, well, they played this show or they were here or we'll here's some, uh, you know, YouTube live of them playing at such and such a fest and so on and so forth. But then I never hear nothing about the the Mark Kendall version aside from, well, they got another new singer now, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it doesn't make an impact you know, everybody that not that the singers that they've had are not competent singers, but they mm-hmm. just don't bring that flavor to the table that, that, you know, that the real great white fans want to hear. I, that's, I think that's exactly it. And really what it is, is I think Jack is just like me when I first met Jack, I knew who Jack was. It was, oh, Jack Russell. I didn't know who, I know who all the guys are now, of course. I didn't really follow him enough to know. I just knew Jack. I knew Jack was on Herman Rarebell's first uh, solo record. And it was like Jack Russell, you know, he was this guy, right? So I think what it is, is there's a lot of people that follow Jack. It's like Jack Russell. So he's got that thing Whereas the other guys maybe don't, well, clearly they don't. And that's pretty, pretty common. I mean, if you look at like Stephen Piercy, he goes out and plays and everybody knows who Stephen Piercy is. Right. I mean, I know who all the guys in Rat are. I mean, I followed Rat from way back. That's one of the bands that they came out early, you know, just like Doc and Doc and came out early, you know, who all the guys were. But uh, it's one of those things that the lead singer can typically go and do that sort of thing. And usually the guitar player or a drummer or a bass player can't. It's it's pretty rare that a guitar player can go out or not a bass player and a drummer. Guitar players do it. George Lynch goes out and he plays. You get guitar players who can go out and do their thing, but it's the singer. Stephen Mm -hmm. Pierce can go out and he'll, you know, he'll draw a crowd and he's, you know, he's still doing it. He's still throwing it down. Uh, Sebastian Bach. uh, uh, Tom. um, Kiefer. Kiefer. Yeah. Tom Kiefer. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You see, you see a lot of these guys that are able to do that because they're the front man. They were the guy that, you know, everybody kind of knows it's the front man is typically the guy that's in your face. Unless you've got one of these guitar players. That's like, you know, Van Halen or George Lynch or whatever guys that really stood out as a guitar hero. Yeah. Well, well we, uh, you know, obviously I know the doc and guys really well since I travel with Don, you know, pretty much every time you see me. So, yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting that uh, since George has been playing with Don, you know, just as this quote unquote reunion thing for the last three years uh, mm-hmm. and, and George going from changing Lynch Mob to his electric freedom band now back to Lynch Mob again because of name recognition, which is yep. everything. Uh, yep. Any thoughts on that? Which part of it? Uh, I'm George going from, you know, saying, well, I can't use lynch mob anymore because, well, that's offensive or it's racist. Or oh, whatever. is that why he did that? Oh, that's it's that, his last name. Well, that's what he said. And he goes, well, I've never been comfortable using lynch mob only for 30 oh. years, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> then he changed well, it to be more politically correct. And everybody was just like, what the fuck is freedom band what is that yeah you know? no one will know so it hurts him he's got to be name recognition if he really has a problem with it i think he should just go out as george lynch why not well, well now he's lynch mob again they yeah, they, re- relaunch, they relaunch lynch mob <laughs> yeah i mean he should just go out as george lynch if he has a problem with it it's, it's pretty simple to me everybody knows george lynch they know lynch mob of course they associated with him why not just go george lynch you know but that's yeah. that's his call. But I could I could see him doing that. Maybe he's not comfortable with going with his name either. I mean, 
I don't know, but it makes well, now sense. He's, now he's back to lynch mob. Yeah, well, it makes sense because, you know, people know who it is. It's probably an easier sell for the agent. Sure, absolutely. And that's what it is. It's all about name recognition, which is, you know, obviously the the battle that uh, Jack had to face with his former bandmates that that's they, right. they both wanted that great white name because it's that's an established right. name. So, that's right. It's, uh, yep. So, you know, fortunately, you know, Jack being, you know, one of the founding members and being able to at least maintain the great white in his band title, you know, so, so, and, yeah. and the thing is, is even though it's Jack Russell's great white, still people go, it's great white. Yeah. A lot of people do do that, but I mean, it realistically, <laughs> what should have happened, <laughs> that's funny, what should have happened in my opinion, not that it matters, but it should have been mark kendall's great white and jack russell's great white is really should have how it should have gone down but when it came down to it i think jack got a little bit nervous that he could possibly lose that entirely and he thought you know he needed to have that marquee name with his name to help and so and it's fine because now after all these years really jack russell's great white has become a thing right it's you know sure. people know it and there's still a lot of people who do not know jack's not in the band i mean those guys played uh, a week ago and somebody i know was there and they sent me a picture and there's a pic uh, promotion all over the place and it's a picture of jack i'm going what <laughs> how are they how can they put a picture of jack at a show i mean if we did that and had a picture of those guys up at our show we they'd be chopping our heads off do, is do you really think that's the band though or is that the promoter no, that's the promoter. Yeah, the band's not. I'm sure the band, if they saw that, they're probably mortified, just like we would be, you know. Yeah. But still, you probably see it and go, "Hey, no, 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 you can't do that." Yeah, so. I, I, dude, I've said this a million times on this show and every other show that I do. These promoters, man, they are shady. <laughs> <laughs> they're just shady. Most of them, almost all of them. It's crazy <laughs> how shady they are. I think it depends on some of them. I mean, there's there's a lot of pretty cool promoters that I've met over the years that I've become friends with because we see them a lot and they bring us back and they're friendly. And I'm like, ah, I like a lot of the guys, but I know where you're coming from. <laughs> I know <laughs> we've we've run into a few. Right we've got on, some more stories on that that are just like, oh god, bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine, especially at this point. At this point, man, you know, one of the things on one of my other shows that we're, I'm talking to some people about, and I'll ask you as well because I know you know the, the this part of it. Right now, I think is the absolute absolute toughest time to tour, for financial reasons because there's less places to play. Now everybody, you know, the ticket prices are out of control to, yeah. to kind of adjust, I guess, to, to it. So what are you guys yeah. running into as far as the costs? Is it still cost effective to get out there or is it, is it, it is. really tough? It, it has been, it's been, we've been doing all right. This past year was a really good year. Next year, let's see what happens because you're right i mean the airline tickets are super high it's like i mean it, there's so much in expenses that are like it's just everything has gotten so expensive that we have to charge more we can't go out for a certain number uh, below a certain number anymore we just can't do it it's not cost effective and you, if you're going to a secondary market it's way more expensive to get into some of these places yeah so it's it's definitely tricky it was trickier towards the end of the year. The first half of last year wasn't bad, but once those gas prices shot up and the airline tickets doubled, I mean, things started really getting rough. Right. For 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 a band like yours, which I, I'm going to guess this is a no, but it could be wrong. 
Um, I, I'm thinking that uh, the smaller the band is, the more Mondays and Tuesdays are offered and the less weekend gigs are offered. Is that how it's playing out to be? Now, I'm thinking you guys probably still get the weekends because obviously Great White's a big band, but I'm just thinking because there's less venues, you got to play the Mondays or Tuesdays at the casino when they don't have a band, no? Um, You know, we just do weekends. Okay. It's rare that we don't do weekends. And I'm, I think that most of the bands are still doing weekends, but a lot of the smaller bands will do pickup dates throughout the week to make it cost effective because there's bands that are, you know, I know what some of these bands are making actually quite a few of them because I just kind of know. Sure. Uh, but, um, and I realize how difficult it really has got to be for them to make it work and they've got to make it work through selling merch and, and all these different avenues whatever they could do to make it work but part of that is they got to play back to back to back to back to back you know they got to play throughout the week and they're playing smaller clubs and playing wherever they can to pick stuff up and then get i think that most of the bands are getting weekends still but they okay. have to do the, the weekdays to pick it up well how many how many weekend gigs do you think that you you your you know great white uh jack russell could could handle in a year what, what do you think a a, a fair number of shows like 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 a Friday and a Saturday weekend uh, show. How how many of those do you think he can do in a year? Um, every weekend. Really? We do every weekend. Oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't get every weekend. And you know what? Right. Part of that is is you got to figure there's two sharks out in the ocean there. Yeah. I mean, those guys are playing. We're playing. That that's a testament to the band, right? That they're able to play as much as they are, and we're able to play as much as we are is a pretty good testament we probably play i would say at least 30 weekends through the year at least probably we play quite a bit until it's usually this time of year that it gets slow right now it's definitely slow we're playing next weekend and then we're playing weekdays here in la we're playing a wednesday at the whiskey and a thursday at the coach house 28th and 29th and so it's it's a little bit slower Usually when you hit uh, September has usually been pretty good, but uh, October, November, December typically slows down quite a bit. We'll get dates, but not many. Right. Sure. On, man. Absolutely. Well, what are you looking forward to in the new year? Um, new music for sure. I'm looking forward to getting new music out. I think that's always important. And then some of the shows we've got coming down look like they'll be good. We don't have a whole lot on the schedule yet, but the ones we do have look like they're going to be pretty good. Good. Excellent. Well, I, I always enjoy, uh, you know, when, when, uh, Jack's, uh, you know, Jack Russell's great white, you know, obviously plays along with doc and that's always a good compliment, yeah. uh, bill. And uh, when Jack comes out on stage and joins Don to sing alone again, that's always yeah. a highlight. It's always a lot of fun to watch that. And he he, yep. he just he just comes right on out there and just takes over the mic and just belts out uh, belts out a few lines in that song. And they uh, complement each other pretty well. And they obviously yep. had a very good camaraderie after so many decades. So yeah. Oh yeah, they go way back. And it's always interesting because before they go on or before Don goes on they're typically chatting it up and I'm usually there while they're chatting it up. And, and Don is just so laid back. It's just, it's a trip. It's like, Oh, Don, you're probably supposed to be on stage now. And he's just coming. Yeah, yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm there for. Always. Come on, Don, come on. We got to go. And the intro is playing. It's like, come on. Yep. You gotta, 
Let's go. There was there was one show we were playing, and there was like at least four bands on the bill or whatever. And and we're back, and there's between these trailers, and then we're all chatting it up. And then I think the intro might have been going or whatever. And the girl that was like this young girl, she's the promoter or whatever, and she's over there getting nervous, like okay. Okay, you got to get on stage, and she's getting nervous. I'm like, oh man, I go, wish I could help you, but you know, <laughs> not much I can do. I was kind of like, yeah, 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 trying to coax it along, but I, ah, you know, and like, yeah. <laughs> go when he does. But it's it's a, it's a trip for me because before we go on stage, I'm usually like, I don't know if nervous is the word, but a lot of like a bundle of energy. You're, you're like, amped up. You're amped up. I'm amped up. I'm like, I got, I'm ready to go. I'm standing back there. I'm ready to go. I got to be ready. If I wasn't standing on the stage, I'd be a nervous wreck. So if I'm on the stage at least 10, 15 minutes before that, I'm amped up. I'm like wanting to get out there. And he's been doing it so long. He's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, just chill. I'm like, wow, <laughs> look like he's just ready to go home. And then he goes up and he, he rocks it, you know? <laughs> so, awesome. Sure. All right, Robbie. Well, we appreciate you taking a few minutes and talk to us here on the show. We're glad to have you on here for the first time. And, uh, you know, we've crossed paths many times over the years. So uh, I'm glad you reached out and, and shared the new uh, DILF video with us, the countdown to Christmas. And how's that doing for you, you know, numbers wise? Um, numbers wise on YouTube, it's doing okay. I thought it would probably be doing better. But I think that, uh, you know, we'll see. We still got some time and we've got people who are starting to spin it. So hopefully that'll help too. And at least if it's getting heard around the country at different stations, we're getting place, you know, spins in New York and Texas and Arizona. And there's about 10 to 15 stations that have picked it up for sure. And it's it's not it's not picked up in the the ad sort of way. It's more like specialty. But that's what, you know, you expect specialty shows to play. And that's cool. Anything is a start to get it into people's heads going, Hey, I, I like that song. If we just get sure. a few people who are wanting to buy it and put it in their playlist or whatever, it's a, it's a start. Cause you know how it is with a single. Once you play and it kind of fizzles, it fizzles. This will fizzle on the 25th, but next year we can promote it again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, do you have any kind of a website or anything that people can go check out or any kind of a Facebook page or social yes. media or anything like that? The Dilf USA band, um, is probably I think that's what it is with the band on there because there's if you put Dilf USA you're going to find clothing and all this different stuff so Dilf USA band Facebook Instagram TikTok I think there's a and definitely YouTube YouTube's the big one and then um, there's gonna be a website I don't think the website's up yet and then of course it's on all the streaming sites and even Bandcamp so it's Bandcamp and everything you can think of I mean there's so many streaming and download sites now it's ridiculous right I mean, uh, stuff like geezer or teaser or squeezer or whatever it is there's so many <laughs> things I'm looking and going what what are all these things I never heard of them yeah well we, Chris and I were actually talking about that earlier today that uh, with our show you know we we release uh, both the audio podcast as well as this video component and he's got to put that out on so many different outlets i mean it's just crazy it is yeah. it's nuts but, yeah so yeah. all right all right cool. robbie anything else you want to tell the fans before we uh cut you loose uh check out uh keep uh, up with jack russell's great white.com and there's new merch up there. And of course, we've got Facebook. We've got uh, all the usual stuff, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and then Dilf USA Band everywhere, anywhere you can look for it. And hey, even my own stuff. I got my own solo stuff under RobbieLochner.com, Facebook, um, Instagram. I don't do Twitter. I don't do TikTok. I don't do any of that stuff. But 
you can find my singles on all the usual spots you like uh, amazon and itunes and all that so anywhere you can find the singles i'm putting out because i'll be dropping singles come next year again starting in january videos and singles and so anywhere just go out and and friend me or follow me on the uh my um, artist page because I have an artist page. My friend page is already full. So anybody that's out there that wants to follow on the artist page, I certainly get back to anybody who emails me. I get back to everyone. So come and say hello. Well, that's cool. that's dedication. All right, Robbie. Well, again, I we appreciate you taking the time. Go visit all those uh, various websites. Go check out this new video from uh, Dilf with uh, Countdown to Christmas. You'll you, if you haven't seen it here on the show or you haven't checked it out yourself, you'll get a good laugh out of it. Yeah. And uh, I thought maybe uh, since you brought this song up a little bit earlier, we'd uh, close out the interview with uh, from the uh, He Saw It Come and Release with the title track. How's that work for you? Excellent. Love it. All right. Perfect. Well, say hey say hey to Jack for, for I Chris and I. Give him our best, as always, and looking forward to seeing you get out on the road. Cool. Well, thank you for having me. We'll see all you guys right. on the road for sure. Okay. Well, well, here it is. It's uh, Jack Russell's Great White with He Saw It Coming exclusively here. On your classic metal show. Thanks for checking out this episode of The Classic Metal Show. Get all of our episodes uncensored at www.theclassicmetalshow.com. Join us weekly from 9 p.m. till 3 a.m. Eastern at www.cmsradio.net. Participate in the live chat room at www.chatandkill.com. Once again, thank you for checking out The Classic Metal Show with Neely and Chris. Hail and kill. Fuck you, pal. Ninja! <laughs>